Afro Tales Podcast is a part of the Connected Podcast Network. Ahoy, my friends. Welcome aboard the Afro Tales Podcast. I'm your storyteller, Aman Mazinga. Join me as we explore the tales that grew from the people of indigenous and African descent in the Americas and the Caribbean. After, come and see me, Chef, who will impart upon you a recipe for the story you have just heard. So with no further ado, let us set sail on this new age of exploration. High John and the Walking Stick It's said that High John came across the water from Africa. Some people remember him as a big man. Others remember him as a small man. I myself don't rightly know. But I do know he was a B-man. He be there when the trouble come, and he be there when the trouble go. Even though John was a slave, he hated slaving and loved living. And he tried to do as much living and as little slaving as possible. I mean, he'd pick up a shovel, and the shovel would break, accidentally, of course. He'd go to the tool shed, and the tool shed would burn down, accidentally, of course. If he ever did get to the field with the mules, the mules would trunk down four rolls of cotton, accidentally, of course. But some years he'd do the work of four or five men. When he picked cotton and was half trying, he would pick a thousand pounds a day. And when he was really trying, those cotton balls flew so fast, you would have thought you were in the middle of a blizzard. Of course, old master could never quite figure out whether John was working for him or against him. And believe me, that's just the way John wanted it. Hi John was, among other things, a fine fisherman. He knew where the fish lay and he knew what had to be done to catch them. Even old master liked to go fishing with John now and then. They'd go down to the big pond under the live oaks and Massa would try to catch a few catfish himself. John and Massa had planned to meet early one bright summer morning. John was already there behind the barn when along come old Massa. Of course, he had his fishing pole with him, but he was also carrying a brand new walking stick. The stick was polished almost as bright as a mirror. It had a shiny silver handle on one end and a shiny silver tip on the other. From the way he was swinging and flashing it about, you could tell Master was very proud of his new stick. John, however, didn't make any mention of it. At least not until they were settled on the bank of the pond with their lines in the water. 
say, Master, said John. That's a mighty fine-looking walking stick you've got there. Why, thank you, John. I was beginning to wonder if you were going to take any notice of it. Oh, Master, I noticed it right off. I mean, it's the only walking stick I've ever seen with three ends. Three ends? asked Master. What are you talking about, John? Well, I ain't talking about nothing but the three ends of that stick, John answered. John, are you drunk or have you gone crazy? I'm not drunk and I'm not crazy, Master. But I can see as clear as the nose on my face that your stick got three ends. John, no stick has three ends. Well, that one does, said John. And I'd be willing to bet a big fat hen that it does. Old Master took a careful look at his walking stick just to be sure. After all, John had been playing tricks on him for years. This time, though, he was certain John was wrong. Agreed, he said. I'll bet you, I'll bet you a hen that this stick has only two ends. With that, John took the stick and held it out in front of him. He pointed to the silver handle and said, that's one end, right? Right, answered Massa. He pointed to the silver tip and said, That's two ends, right? Right, answered Massa again. Then John raised the stick over his head and threw it directly into the center of the pond where it sank without a trace. And that's the third end of the stick, right? said John with a twinkle in his eye. Old Massa didn't answer this time. He knew John had fooled him again and that when they got back home, he'd have to give him a nice plump hen. You better not do it. Just about every plantation raises some kind of livestock. No matter what kind of crop it grew, it might be a sheep, or cows, or goats, or pigs, or chickens. Old Master also used to raise a few turkeys so that he and his family could have a proper feast each Christmas and Thanksgiving. One year, however, the turkeys were scarce, and Master asked John to kill a sheep for Thanksgiving dinner at the big house. John had never tasted mutton, but he thought, if it's fine enough for Master, then surely it's fine enough for me. So before bringing the cleaned out carcass to the kitchen, John cut off a good sized chunk for himself. He boiled it up in the iron kettle, and with the first bite he realized it was a tastier victual than any possum or hogback he'd ever had. Even before he'd finished it, 
John had a powerful craving for more. He tried to control it, knowing it could only lead to trouble. But when it came to his stomach, the important thing was to keep it full. After a few weeks, he convinced himself that he needed mutton the same way he needed water to live. Nothing else seemed to have that special taste. He didn't want to wait until next Thanksgiving, and it wasn't likely that Massa was about to give him any. So John decided to take matters into his own hands. One night, during the dark of the moon, he took an oak club and slipped down to the sheep pen. He walked on his tiptoes, trying to be as quiet as a breath of air creeping through a crack. But just as he stepped into the pen, one of the sheep woke up. Without hesitation, John hit it square on its head and killed it. Mmm, he thought. If one's good, two are probably better. Just as he was about to hit another one, he heard footsteps approaching the pen. Even though it was dark and he couldn't see the person's face, he knew it was Old Master. After all, John's very life depended on knowing such things. Master reached the gate, and John holding the club high above his head, shouted as loudly as he could. You better not do it. You better not do it. If any of you other sheep try to butt me like your brother just did, I'll have to kill you too. The Christmas Turkey It was a custom of Old Master and his family to have a turkey dinner every Christmas. And it was John's responsibility to get the turkey ready for the oven. Thinking he might have some fun at John's expense, Master called him to the big house just before the holiday. John, he said, you know tomorrow is Christmas. Yes, I know, responded John. And you know, Master continued, you take care of the turkey every year. Yes, Master. I know that, too. Well, John, I've decided that this year, whatever you do to the turkey, we're going to do to you. John went back to his cabin with a worried mind. He knew he had a serious problem if he cut off the turkey's head. Then Massa would cut off his head. If he shot the turkey, he himself would be shot. And if he plucked off all its feathers, Master would probably skin him alive. John spent most of the night tossing and turning, trying to find out a way to save himself. Just before the sun rose on Christmas morning, he got a splendid idea. When John appeared at the big house, Old Master and his entire family were waiting on the veranda. They were all looking forward to making a fool of him. But when he showed up, he wasn't carrying a dead and plucked bird. This time, Turkey was alive and well and gobbling for the whole world to hear. 
and John was leading it on a long red string. Merry Christmas to you, Master, said John. And Merry Christmas to you, John. Remember now, whatever you do to that turkey, we're going to do to you, laughed Master, and everyone laughed with him. Yes, Master, said John. Just as if he didn't have a care in the world, John led the big bird right to the edge of the veranda. Then he stepped behind it, dropped to his knees, lifted up the tail feathers, and kissed it right on his butt. No one said a word. But John stood up, turned his back on Old Massa and his family, lifted his own coattails, and said, Take your time, folks. Take your time. I've got all day. Wow, these stories are awesome, right? They come from the book, The Adventures of High John the Conqueror by Steve Sandfield. I gotta say, the first time I heard the name High John the Conqueror, I was researching hoodoo and voodoo and I came across High John the Conqueror route. I'm not going to go into the legend of High John the Conqueror. Just know he is. You know what? I will go into it a little bit. Just a quick synopsis. High John the Conqueror was an African man that was brought over here to be enslaved. He got his freedom and made it back home. Some say he was a conjuring man. He was, you know, a magic man, you know, he, shaman, whatever. Some say he was a prince. Oh, that's not to say. He got his freedom, made it back to Africa. The High John the Conqueror route is what was le- what he left behind for us, you know, to inspire us, to help us, to get us to where we need to be in life. Right. And if I'm I know I left a lot out. And if you want to email me or tell me, hey, next time, tell the whole story. Afrotalescast at gmail.com. Afrotalescast everywhere on the Internet. Right. You can find me. Um, But these stories are awesome. They're. They're the. Truest version of what bro rabbit is supposed to be. Right. Bro rabbit in is the epitome is the animal version of the African uh, enslaved person in the Americas. High John is the human version. He is the enslaved African that got away. But as you will see, he is also that trickster. He's he is old John, old Jack he is bruh rabbit he is all of this and i i wish this book was bigger i need a whole lot more stories but when you listen to an old john story or an old a jack story or you listen to a bruh rabbit story just know that's high john that's high john the conqueror okay even some anansi stories have similarities to high john the conqueror stories so just 
know that when you hear those stories, okay? They may not have the same name, but they are the same, say, archetype, character, whatever you want to call it. All right? So this is my last episode for 2023. Um, I'm going to take a little bit of a break, and I will see you probably the end of January. If I come back early, just know it's because I love you guys and I couldn't stay away. But I do need a little bit of a break. I have some things going on and it's the holidays. So I will try to give you guys some things from my archives, maybe episodes that didn't come out. And there'll be short little episodes in January. Hopefully I can do that. If not, I will see you guys or talk to you guys. I'll be back with you guys in February. All right. And February is my birthday month. So it's, and, and it's Black History Month. So it's always a great time to come back and do these stories. Right. Until then, just know I love you. I appreciate you. I thank you for sticking with me if you're new thank you for coming along there are a lot of back catalog stories for you to listen to please take your time go listen there's a lot of recipes that you guys can try please try the recipes some of them are awesome some of them will have to be tweaked and some of them might not be that great but it's up to you let me know how you feel about the recipes let me know where you guys want me to go next next when i come back you know send me email send me messages let me know whose stories do you want me to tell you know what native american tribes what um indigenous peoples you know what islands should i be looking for stories from and if they speak a very broken English, please send me the translation and pronunciation of a lot of words with that. All right. So until we meet again, go see Chef. He's going to have some something nice for you. And until then, as always, have Welcome, my friends, to the galley. I am your chef, chef, and today we have a wonderful recipe inspired by the story you have heard. Today, we will be creating Carolina cornbread, or as I like to call it, sweet Carolina cornbread. Now, what will you need for this recipe? A third cup melted butter plus more for the pan. One cup flour plus more for the pan. One cup yellow cornmeal, a quarter cup sugar, four teaspoons baking powder, one teaspoon kosher salt, one cup of buttermilk, and one egg lightly beaten. Now, how do we put this together? Easy. Heat oven to 425 degrees Fahrenheit. Then 
grease and flour an 8 by 8 square baking pan and set that aside. Whisk together flour, cornmeal, sugar, baking powder and salt in a large bowl. Add the butter, buttermilk and egg and whisk until smooth. Pour into prepared pan and smooth the top. Bake until golden brown and a toothpick inserted in the middle comes out clean. This should take about 25 minutes. And that is it. Very easy recipe. Now, go. Do what you do. Make this recipe yours. And until I have another wonderful recipe for you, remember Hajan and his adventures. So until next time, my friends, enjoy. Thank you, my friends, for coming on this voyage. Thanks to Art by Chalet for the logo, episode, and shirt designs. You can get t-shirts and other items on tpublic.com. You can contact me on all socials at AfroTalesCast. That's Afro, T-A-L-E-S, cast. And email me at AfroTalesCast at gmail.com. You may also become a benefactor by simply sharing with any and everyone. Giving a thumbs up, a five-star rating and review in your podcast app of choice, or simply donating on Patreon or coffee.com. That's ko-fi.com. So until we meet again, may your winds be fair and your seas follow.